they look pretty nice to today, don't they? Spiffy and great to have them. Thanks, guys. Can I read a passage of scripture? And obviously, the passage of scripture I want to read this morning is uh, Luke's account and John's account of a little bit of the, um, the death of Jesus on the cross. So let me just dive in here. I encourage you to use your own apparatus or Bible, but the verses will be there on the screen as well. Luke chapter 23. I just want to start at Luke's account this morning, 23, 32 to 39. And it says this. There are also two others, criminals, led with Jesus to be put to death. And when they'd come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That was Jesus speaking from the cross. And then they divided, being the soldiers, divided his garments and cast lots on who would get the best pieces. And, and the my bit added there. And then the people stood looking on, even the rulers with them sneering, say, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin and Hebrew. And this is saying, this is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who were hanging, uh, who, who were hanged, blasphemed him and saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. So that's Luke's account, just a snippet of Luke's account of the death of Jesus while he was on the cross. Let me just go to John just for a couple more verses. John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. Just uh, three more verses. And uh, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said this. He said, I thirst. Um, that's a very natural response, isn't it? We've all thirsted. And now verse 29, And now a, a, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on, on hyssop, and put it on his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. So we could read um, Matthew's account. We could read... Um, uh, also Mark's account, but just I just chose those two because of some of the things Jesus said on the cross. Um, this week has been an interesting week in the world, isn't it? There's a number of quite prominent things have happened. And one of those, as you are well aware of, I imagine, is that there is a famous church in Paris that partly burnt. Um, thankfully, not all of it was destroyed. Uh, but the roof certainly uh, caved in and was destroyed in that wonderful wooden pinnacle of, of course, the church in Paris called Notre Dame, of course, collapsed under the, uh, as it um, was burnt to the ground. And it collapsed and it fell through and onto the ground floor inside the church. Um, I, uh, there were many pictures that were put up about the Notre Dame. Did you see them? This was one of them. Who saw this one? A couple of us. Um, and I couldn't, I don't want to oversymbolize the realities, but you know, that church uh, is an historic, of incredible historic value to France. I actually have had the privilege in the year 2000 of walking to the top of one of those tall um, structures. The, they've got two towers at the front, and at the top, with my wife and two, two daughters in 2000, we walked to the top and stood up there, and I looked over the wooden part of that roof that's now not there. And I looked out over Paris. It's a great view. And quite honestly, it's in, it's in the middle of a river in an island, in that major river in Paris. And, you could, and it's quite a central focal point of Paris. And so you could appreciate 
why the people of Paris and the French came out and mourned when they saw this incredible icon of their city burning to the ground and thankfully didn't all burn to the ground. And, and historically, you know, um, it, it's got incredible value. It was there. You know, it lived through the Second World War. It lived through so many things. The actual timber beams that were destroyed were over 150 years old. Amazing history. In Australia, we don't have that legacy, do we? We're not that old, are we? Um, but some of these European countries are. And so you can appreciate the, the, why people were so upset at the, the possible loss of this incredible church. And, and of course, we've got to be honest, that church was built to the glory of God originally wasn't it? And to, to typify and to symbolize the Christian message. And no more important than on Easter weekend, should we remember. And, and as I looked at some of the pictures of Notre Dame burning, and you know, like you saw the videos of that spiral falling and then the aftermath of all the burn, I found this picture. And this picture is inside the, um, the um, sanctuary. And it's the altar um, and there at the altar, the roof has collapsed on the floor. Um, I've been in there, and you can see the rubble, can't you, of that old, incredible beams from the roof. Uh, just the rubble and the, and the, uh, the destruction that it caused. Um, it's interesting, but notice where the rubble fell at the foot of the cross. And as I looked at that picture, I, I don't want to over-symbolize it or, or try to... Um, do too much, but I want to just say this. It, it's got an incredible message for us this morning because it's true that the empty cross is standing there in amongst all the rubble of what's around it. And the cross today of Jesus Christ, empty cross, because the empty cross always reminds that there's a resurrected Christ. And the empty cross would stand as a beacon of light and hope and grace and mercy and healing for a world that is literally quite possibly in a, in a turmoil and destructive sense. And in, and in many ways, people's lives, it's just a pile of rubble. And, you know, for all of us, we too also have got parts of us or have had or maybe still are working through what could be classed as a little bit of dysfunction and rubble in life. And I want to tell you the message of Jesus continually shines out as a beacon of hope and grace and mercy and truth in the midst of a world that struggles to gain identity, doesn't it? To find out what really is happening. I mean, as much as we've had Notre Dame in the news, I've just been amused that humanity, you know, when I talk about rubble of my life, I suppose I talk about the things, the sin in my life and the realities of the things that I've done and the things that haven't done me well. You know, the things of this world like hatred and jealousy and envy and, 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 and lies. And this world, it seems to be that it embraces all that readily sometimes and, and takes it on board. And yet Jesus holds up this beacon of the cross that speaks of forgiveness and mercy and grace and kindness and hope and a future. That's what he speaks to us through the, the, the empty cross. Would you agree this morning? We live in a world that seems confused. I, I've been reading, um, like you, about our, that precious rugby league player, Israel Folau. And I'm not going to say too much, but I'll say this. For the people who don't believe in hell, it's amazing how much they struggle and they had to had to say something about it and get so upset about hell and yet they don't believe in it. Isn't it interesting that they would tell someone you can't write hell on a public post about hell but and get so upset about something they don't even believe in? 
I would suggest to you that I think all humanity within ourselves are very aware of our shortcomings. And that quite possibly we realize that there is, I think, a place of heaven and hell. And Jesus never built, never established hell for us. That was never for us. It was only for the devil and his demons. But unfortunately, people choose it when they reject Christ, I suppose. Right there, I could be uh, charged. <laughs> With being all sorts of things. This was saying something like that. Isn't that amazing? We live in a confused world, don't we? A world that's trying to grasp reality and trying to get identity. And I want to tell you that we can find identity in Jesus Christ through the empty cross this morning. We can find a hope and a future. And so Paul, Paul actually said something pretty powerful. Uh, he was an apostle of Christ. And he said this. He said, you know what? The crucified Christ is the bottom line. It's the foundation of, of our lives. It has to be seen as that. He, says that he, he actually says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he says this. In a letter he wrote to the, Corinth, the church at Corinth, he says, You know what? I'm determined that there's only uh, not to know anything. In other words, not to tell you. I could tell you a lot of things. But the one thing I want to tell you is that uh, I want to, among you is except, uh, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If my message is going to be anything, Paul said, it's got to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because a crucified Christ means that there will be a risen Christ and there's a hope and a future. Paul said, you know what, if there's one message, I could tell you many wonderful things, but I've got to share this message with you. It's the bottom line for reality of this world. Not just for us here this morning in this church. It's the hope of the world, folks. It's the hope of the future of the world. This, this, this cross, it stands as a beacon amongst... Thankfully, Jesus didn't remove himself from the world. He didn't want to take himself out of the rubble. He put himself in the rubble. And he d demonstrated that. And I want to show you this morning three things he just said on the cross. And it says the first thing that he said is he said in John chapter 19, as I read it, verse 28, he says, I thirst. I thirst. Can you see, as I said, Christ didn't remove himself from humanity. He put himself in the midst of my life and my rubble and your life and your rubble. He put, like the cross in Notre Dame that stands there as a beacon amongst all the tragedy and all the, uh, the things that have happened there in this past week, the cross stands out. Jesus come amongst humanity, didn't he? And he said, and he showed us his humanity. He said, I thirst. <laughs> oh, man, such a human thing to say on a cross. We could have said, oh, Jesus, you're the son of God. You could have said other things like, you know, amazing statements or quoted verse. You're God. You know, you could have, you know, you could have called an angel all the angels to help you and they would have been there in a moment to, you know, to help you on that cross and yet he didn't because he knew this was not the father's plan His fa the father's plan was for him to go to the cross and suffer for humanity and so Jesus he understood um, and we're indebted um, to the Bible and the Bible um, gospel writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John because they didn't um, sanitize uh, the reality of what happened to Jesus on the cross. They could have left out this. Oh, what's, it important? what's the importance of putting I thirst in the Bible? You know, what's the importance of that? The importance was this. The importance, the reason for John adding this to the gospel is we, let's be reminded so the one to whom we pray knows our feelings and can identify with our lives and the feelings and the struggles that we face. And the times that maybe uh, we face things like thirst, the times when we face temptation 
or things like discouragement, or we've been hungry, we've been sleepy, we've been tired. Christ understood all those feelings because he went through them himself. He understands when we pray in anger and out of frustration sometimes, and he doesn't reject us for that. He invites us to talk to him, even in the midst of our anger and frustration. He smiles when we confess our weariness. He seeks to love us when he sees our pain. Because he is the one who, in the midst of the single most important act of his life, his crucifixion, he says, I'm thirsty. I just need a drink of water. And they didn't give that to him. They gave him sour wine. But, you know, that was what was at hand. So he took it. He shows us his humanity, folks. Aren't you glad that we don't serve a God who lives in heaven that is far separated from us? That a God that is, oh, well, I'm up here, you're down there, you try and work it out yourself. No, Jesus came for us to help us. He came into the rubble of life to show us reality and show us his humanity so that he identified with humanity. He wants to remind us today that he was human as well as God. And uh, the, f- the fact is, he wasn't bulletproof. He didn't wear a-, a coat of armor, okay? He faced the realities and the things that we face. In John's gospel, it says this, the word became flesh. In other words, Jesus was the word. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, he in heaven was the, it was the word, but God sent him to earth And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And so instead of running away from him, I want to say today, instead of saying, oh God, could you ever relate to me? He certainly can through his son today. Let's not run away from him, but let's run into him. In the times of need, when we think, how could you ever identify with what I'm feeling this morning? I tell you what, he can. He can. Uh, And let's take the opportunity to draw near He suffered more than any of us. And we see that simply through those words, I thirst. The other statement that he made on the cross in Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, talking to God, he says, God, would you forgive them? For they really don't know what they're doing. Just contemplate this statement for a moment. Jesus is on a cross. His body is racked with pain. Excruciating, every nerve ending is screaming out at him. The pain would have been horrific. Um, not only the physical pain, uh, but also we know the pain of the sins of the world were upon him. In all of this, he never spoke a word against those who spoke against him. All he said was, God, would you forgive them? And if he was asking his father to forgive them, you've got to appreciate that he had already forgiven them because you had the, you had the onlookers. Come off the cross and, you know, you're the son of God. Can you see it's an attack on his very identity? Do you know the enemy wants to attack your identity in Christ and say, who are you? You're just a person with so much rubble in your life. You'll never make it. Don't listen to the lies. Jesus came to take it and give us an identity and a hope and said, you're my child. You're the beloved. I care for you. You have a hope and a future. That's the kind of God we serve. And Jesus... He didn't, he didn't bite back, did he? I mean, look at the, um, the religious leaders. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Look at the soldiers. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then even one of the criminals says, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. It was an attack on who he was. So if his body wasn't in pain enough, they attacked his soul. His emotional, just who he was. See, um, Jesus could have called angels down he didn't it wasn't the father's plan 
But these were bitter words that were like darts at him. Can you imagine if someone came up to you and said, who are you? <laughs> You're not what you say you are. You're a fake and a fraud. Because that's what they said to Christ. It wouldn't go down well, would it? It wouldn't be nice. But that's what they said to Christ. He didn't retaliate. He, just, he didn't lift up his, he, you know, he, he didn't proclaim something against them or bring down curses upon people. All he ever said, he didn't seek revenge. All he ever said was, Father, would you forgive them? That's incredible, isn't it? That's powerful. When you can forgive the people who murdered you before you actually die. That's incredible. You know, he didn't seek. He didn't say, I know your number. When I rise from the dead, you're in trouble. He didn't say that. <laughs> he could have. Um, maybe he thought it, but he didn't allow it. He didn't go there. Um, Peter says in 1 Peter, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus wrote in chapter 2, verse 23, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He trusted himself to a Christ. I want to say that today, one of the greatest principles and one of the greatest things we need in humanity, not just amongst you and I today, but in the world, is we need forgiveness. You and I need forgiveness, to be forgiven for the rubbish in our lives and the things we've done. But more, more importantly, we also need to forgive others. We need to follow Christ's example, don't we? Because I tell you, if there was more forgiveness in the world, there would be, more hate, there would be less hatred, less jealousies, there'd be less wars, there'd be less struggle, there'd be less turmoil, there'd be less rubble. Christ gave us an incredible, and he forgave us. The last thing, we'll just finish with this is he said this on the cross in Luke 19, 20. He said, it is finished. Do you know um, the reality is in the Greek, the literal meaning of those words, it means paid in full. Have you ever had anybody pay your bill? Have you ever had an unknowingly, someone's just, you didn't find out till later, someone paid that bill? Maybe it was hundreds or thousands of dollars. And you're like, wow, someone would do that for me? Someone's done that for me in the past, and I've been so grateful. But you know, Christ came, and when he said it was finished, I want to tell you, it wasn't a cry of defeat. It was a cry of victory. It was a cry of fulfillment. It was a cry, I've paid the price for the sins of the world. Death no longer has the final say. It was a cry, the kingdom of darkness is defeated. I've completed my mission. It is finished. What an incredible cry of victory. On the cross, at his most incredible um, um, needy moment, he was still able to utter the, those words, it's finished, paid in full. I've lived on the earth for 33 years. I'm going to go back to my father. And uh, humanity, the need of humanity has been met. I fulfilled the task. Isn't it a great feeling when you finish a task? It's a great feeling. Paul, uh, well, maybe not Paul, but whoever wrote Hebrews... It's one of the books that we don't know who wrote. But Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, we, are, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight. And of the sin or rubble, I'll just put rubble in there, which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Christ, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy was set before us, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Jesus um, went through to the finish line. You know, you've ever been to a race and you've ever seen someone 
who, who doesn't make it to the finish line and someone comes or maybe they've tripped up or they've hurt themselves and someone picks them up and takes them across the finish line. It's always a glorious moment. And it's almost like we forget the person who won the race, but we remember the person who struggled and got there anyway, who pushed on. I want to tell you, life is not about um, you know, winning so much sometimes. It's about finishing. And Christ finished. And he set an example for you and me. What about sometimes the struggle you face? Maybe today, some of those things that we face in life, we think, oh, I just feel like quitting. Maybe today there's some discouragement. Maybe as a parent you're discouraged. Maybe you're weary just doing good. Uh, Maybe you're frustrated with your job today. Maybe today there's been no communication in your marriage and you wish that would change. Or maybe that, that temptation that you just struggle to get on top of, or in your day, it, it seems to be framed with just sorrow and disappointments often, and you just, oh, I just give up. And you may utter those words, but I'm just thankful that Christ didn't give up on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. Do you know that? He didn't give up on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. He went through to the finish line. And I want to encourage us today, whatever it may be, Someone's, uh, Mother Teresa said, God didn't call us to be successful, just faithful. And I would like to add to that and say real success is faithfulness. Throwing off, Paul says, every weight of sin that wants to weigh us down, running the race. Do you know, I love this thought too. A finisher is not the one with no wounds or weariness, but one who keeps running. One who keeps running. One who says, This Christian faith is not just a a, a facade or it's not just a a fad. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm actually going to be a Christ disciple till the day I breathe my last breath. I'm going to be here till the end. And so this morning, I want to encourage us. Um, You know, it's interesting, but the Notre Dame Church has had an outpouring of uh, support. People have pledged literally hundreds of millions of dollars for that thing to be rebuilt. Now, we may say, oh, wow, a lot of money spent on just an old church. Look, let's get past that. Let's just see it's an iconic thing. And if nothing else, it still proclaims the message of Christ. Hey? Still proclaims the message of Christ. With the, with the cross there in the middle, and that picture will just throw up again. The cross as a beacon of hope. And on that cross, let's always remember that Jesus, he said, it's, it, I thirst because he wanted to show that he identified with, with us. He said, Father, forgive them because he says, we all need forgiveness and mercy and grace for our sin. And he said, it is finished so that we, he could finish the race so that we didn't have to struggle to finish. We could push through to the finish as well. So could we just stand today as we close? The empty cross. Jesus wasn't on it very long, was he? They say about three days, but it was a bit probably less than that in hours. And I'm, I'm grateful. Someone once said to me, you know, Friday is a sad day because Christ died. But you know, Friday is, Friday is Friday, but guess what? Sunday's coming. There's a resurrection day. And you might feel like you're in a Friday today. 
But I want to tell you, in Christ, we can have a resurrection day. We can push through. It's Friday. All the devil thought he had Jesus beat. But that was Friday because Sunday's coming. Friday, the Pharisees thought we've finally got rid of this troublemaker. But that was Friday because Sunday was coming. All the disciples had dispersed and they were scared for their lives. But that was Friday and there was a Sunday coming when they would rise up as incredible men and women who were willing to die for their faith. So today it might feel like a Friday, a rubble day for you, but there is a new day in Jesus as we draw near to him. Let me just pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you today, Father, for this day that we could celebrate the death of Christ, but in many ways celebrate the victory in his death. Father, we thank you for your holy presence and your spirit here today. And we pray that, Lord, for all of us, if we're sensing something of the rubble of life, the disappointment, the discouragements, that, Father, we would look up and see that you are a redeemer, you pay the price for us, and that our hope can be in you. And we pray that you'd comfort the hearts today, encourage the souls today that face some of those struggles through your Holy Spirit. And as we sing this last song, that we would declare with this song the victory of your incredible goodness to us in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, amen? Amen. Come on. One more song to sing this morning. that today in your hearts. Why don't you encourage someone today before you go home? Enjoy your family. Enjoy the holiday. Remember Sunday morning service is happening here at the normal time. No night service. Uh, And if you're able, we'd love to pray with you. Come and join us at three tomorrow morning.